Welcome back to the two-part episode. We're going to finish this up strong. Uh, We're going to be talking about the next generation. We're going to be talking about how we're raising our kids, the conversations we're going to have with them, and what we want that generation to look like. JT, welcome back, sir. Man, thank you for having me back, bro. Yeah, man. So uh, we talked about a lot of things in the first the first. Yeah, part. we did. It got kind of heavy real quick. <laughs> yeah, man. And this this is going to be no exception to that because you know we're talking about our kids, man. Whew. We're talking about our kids. Um, there's just so much that changes about how you approach your life once you become a parent. Everything changes. Every decision you make is no longer just about you. Yeah, I mean, it's just a complete shift in mind, uh, like a, a mindset. Yeah. Um, and, man, um, I'd do anything for my kids, and I know you would, too. Um, what has it been like being a black father? Man, at first, you know, it, it's like any parent. It's, it's yeah. a great experience. You're, you're all, you know, I'm going to give my child the world, and nothing bad is ever going to happen to them and I'm going to make sure I'm there for everything and they're going to have everything that they want. And then reality starts to set in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you start to realize that, you know, everything isn't perfect. And I mean, you're not going to be, you're literally not going to be able to protect your child from everything. The only thing you can do is prepare them and hope that they learn and they're never in a situation where something bad could happen to them. Yeah, man. I just think that for me, I just want to be there for them. Right. You know what I mean? I just want to be there for them through the good, the bad, the ugly. I just want to take this stereotype away that, you know, we're not there for our kids because I think that's just like a um, a, a thing that a lot of people think about black dads that, you know, we don't we don't we don't we're not involved with the kids and, you know, that type of thing. And I just want to you know, have you and Jalen and some of these other great fathers on this to let people know that, you know, that's, that's not, that that's not the reality. You know, it's not, it's not, not the reality. I'll do, I would do anything for my kids. Um, and like I said, I just want to be the best parental figure that I can be. Um, and that, that's tough, especially in this scary world, like Man. everything that we're, you know, we're dealing with. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. Uh, you've got riots, rioting, you got looting, you've got just so many um, just dangerous things that, um, they, like you said, we can't protect them from. But all we can do is just raise them to the, the best of our ability. So, yeah. So let's just talk about um, what it what are some of these conversations that uh, we're going to have with our kids, with them being, you know, African-American or or biracial? Man, I'll say this. And you can you can probably attest to, man, uh, yeah. having having daughters. Man, the first conversation you ever really were just afraid of having was the birds and the bees talk. Like, I'm still preparing for that. Yeah. And my daughter's only two. Like, I'm still like, how am I going to have this conversation you know, we're at that age now where she's starting to recognize body parts. So I'm like, even now, like, okay, what do we call that area? Yeah. You know, things like that. And I do, again, we have girls. It is. Oh. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's uh crazy how quickly 
um, you start to, you jump to the future. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy how quickly, like, you're already planning what they're going to be doing for job, career, slash, you know, what they're going to major in, what, mm-hmm. you know, what friends are they going to have? Um, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm just trying to stay locked into the moment and trying to, not to think about the future so much because it's a scary thing to think about. And that's uh, the thing, 15, man. 16 year old girls walking around. <laughs> and that's the thing, man. It's, it's scary because. One, being 15, 16 now is nothing at all like what it was when we were 15, 16. Come on, bro. We, we grew up with house phones. <laughs> we, we grew up with uh, uh, Nokia bricks. Man. Um, we grew no. up with um, no TiVo, no Hulu, no Netflix. Um, there was just a lot less distractions. Um, people use their imaginations more. Yeah, um, dude. It's- Play it outside. It's just, it's going to be a completely different world to navigate. I mean, they're even experienced or being, you know, introduced to things that we weren't introduced to until college, you know? Dude. And yes. I'm like, so when my daughter turns 15, 16, what is it going to be like then? Like, yeah. how much more information is going to be out there? It's scary, man. It's it scary. Is, um, it is terrifying. It's a, it's a unique situation to be like a young parent because. I grapple with the fact that I'm bringing this life into the world. And, you know, when, once they're in that that um, zero to six month phase and, you know, they're crying and you're losing sleep, you're like, man, I'm just it will just be a lot easier once they get a little bit older. <laughs> right. Uh, but one thing that I've been just like really struggling with is just like, um, you know, we're in this, you know, prime time in our lives when. We're in our later 20s and, you know, I'll be 30 this year. So that just means that uh, we're our parents are getting older. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm struggling with raising the next generation and then also trying to spend as much time with my parents as possible. Because, I mean, it's it's scary to to think about, you know, one day talking about your parents like in the past tense. You know what I mean? I, I still struggle with that today. Like, I don't know what I'm going to. I say I don't know what I'm going to do, but my mom has raised me well enough. Yeah. And I know whenever that time comes, God forbid, it's no time soon. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, you know, she's raised me well enough. I'll be able to handle it. But still, you don't want to think about that. Yeah. And then, then, like you said, you bring in life. And now not only are you worrying about that because you finally came to your senses and realized how important your parents are. Yeah. Now you have children on your own and you're trying to. Think about all the lessons that they tried to teach you and some of them that you kind of just brushed off. And now you're going back to them like, hey, mom, remember yeah. when you told me this when I was 15? OK, well, now it's happening with my kid. Can you yeah. help me out here? You know, exactly. And I think the biggest thing that I realize is like, you know, when my daughter is the age that we are now, you know, late 20s, mid 20s, we're going to have elderly parents, like extremely elderly parents. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um I'm, I think I've just been a lot more intentional with the time. Like, you know, I want to go fishing with my dad. Uh, if he wants me to come over, if my parents want me to come over for something, I'm making time for that. And it's just like, a, you know, we already talked about the shift from being selfish um, when you have a kid that that all goes away. But it's almost like, you know. I'm a kid again because I, I, I just I just crave that attention mm-hmm. and that time with my parents, man. So. Um, yeah, I think you just look at 24 hours in a day a lot differently when you become a parent, man. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been around this far. So, yeah. And I, like I said, I know 
we try not to think about it, but those conversations, like I said, the birds and the bees and you know, what are you going to do with your life? Those conversations, yeah. you're, you're trying to figure out now, how am I going to approach that? And it wasn't until this year that my mindset kind of changed. And I, don't get me wrong, I'm still kind of afraid about, the, not afraid, but I'm still cautious about the, those conversations and how I'm going to have them. But the one that's in front of my head now is, I have a black daughter. I'm about to have a black son. And yeah. we're about to bring them into this crazy world that's going on right now. And I'm like, man, how do I have that conversation with you? Hey, like you said earlier, I think it was the last episode. Hey, God made you perfect. Yeah. Exactly who you are. He didn't make any mistakes. But this person doesn't see it that way. Yeah. And so now I have to have that conversation with them and, you know, hey, this is this is what you do if the, you're ever in contact with the police or yeah. this is what you do if you're ever in the in a situation where you may be the only black person or, you, you know, something like that. Like, I, I never thought that would be a conversation that I would have to think about having. Yeah. You know, like I say, you watch movies and you grow up and I keep going back to it, the only conversation you really were worried about was the birds and the bees and yeah. how that conversation was going to go. But like, man, this this year. 2020 has really opened my eyes like man i'm gonna have to sit down especially with my son you know he's not even here yet and i'm already thinking about man we're gonna have to sit down and have a conversation on what it's like to be a black male and what to do if you're ever encountered by the police yeah i mean it's just really interesting because um you know i don't have a son i have two daughters uh so that'll be a slightly different conversation um but you know there's still going to be race uh, mm-hmm. driven conversations that you have to uh, I'm going to have to instill in them that you know these people might look at you a little bit differently because you're not like them um, so Jalen made a, a good point that you know th- he's just the way that he's approaching race um, w- was really unique and um, I encourage you guys to go back and listen to that episode um, it was a great episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go go back and listen to that, and um, just just listen to his take on how he's raising his kids. Um, but yeah, so having a having a black son, uh, we haven't even talked about you know the re- relationship with the police. Um, so let, let's just touch on that for a little bit. How how are you taught about the police growing up, and how are you going to pass that down to the next generation to your son? And so, all right, so like I said, I'm from Bible, so. Um, I don't want to say I never had a bad experience with the police in Blavo. It was more like a, you know, it's the police. Like, you know, it's the police. Everybody running. You know, it, it's just the thing that we were taught. So that's what you were taught? You yeah. were taught to run from you, the police? You were just taught, hey, there go the police. Even if you weren't necessarily doing anything wrong. And now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh, they were training me that early to you know be prepared to get away from the police if necessary and uh how's you know as a kid it's just i'm thinking of it as a game oh you know like your parents run away so your parents don't catch you and um i say it wasn't until i got older that i really started to realize what they were trying to really convey to me and uh a lot of people a lot of people do know i was a cop here in jonesboro for a couple years and Part of the reason for me doing that, it was because there was always this 
tension between the African-American community and the police. And so I was like, man, I can't help bridge that gap. And once I became a cop, I realized how actually big of a gap it was. Really? Yeah. Elaborate on that a little bit. Man, you think or you would think, hey, that most African-Americans will be happy to see an African-American police officer. But that title of police officer has been stained so bad that they don't even care if you're black. I can't tell you most of, I'm not even going to say that, I had a lot of resentment, especially that my first year of being an officer from black people. Because it was like, how, how could you portray us almost? You know, how could you choose that side? Yeah. And I, I was like, man, I, I didn't see it as that. I, I saw it as an opportunity to help the community and, you know, give back. But the more I worked, the more I realized that, man, this this relationship between African-American community Broken. and and the police are, dude, it's at times I felt it was beyond repair. Um, But, you know, that's that's just like your low point. You know, when you hit that point where you're like you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Um. Now that I'm older, I do think it is definitely a, a repairable relationship. But, man, it's so many steps that we got to take first. You know, um, like I said, I worked here in Jonesboro and the majority, if majority of the officers here are great officers. They're here to do their job. They're here to protect. But every every job, no matter, no matter if it's police officer, no matter if it's a a cook at a restaurant or, or a factory worker, there's always that one person who either doesn't care about their job or, or doesn't have that, that value to give their best in the job. And that's where a lot of the bad relationships come. It comes from that person who doesn't respect the title that they've been given and they abuse their power. And a lot of the times it's happening to the black community. And we're the the prime targets of that that outlash, and so it's like, whew, yeah, it's it's a tough conversation to, to even have now. And I, I haven't been a cop for almost four years now, five years. Yeah, and I man, I still get some some of the people like, hey, I can't believe you actually went and did that. I'm like, dude, it opened my eyes to a lot of things, and I'm glad I had the experience. But man, it's it, it like I said, it really let me know how big of a gap that actual, you know, how big that gap actually was between the relationship. And so to answer your question, dude, like to man, to have that conversation, especially with my son. Yeah. Being from being able to see both sides really helps. Um, like I said, I know the the just of a little bit more than what the average person knows. I know the gist of what a police encounter should be like. And, um, dude, it's, I'm still worried now and thinking about it. Like I know what the cops are going to look for and I know what to tell my son not to do, but I've also seen situations where the person did everything right. And they were still, you know, racially profiled yeah so what do you what do you do in that type of situation where people are um that are in a position of power use it to their advantage to where it's almost like they're abusing it like what do you do man the the first thing is the people who are there actually doing their job 
have to realize that it's happening and they have to be the ones to stand up because, you know, we as a black community, we can stand up all day. But unless we get the people who are actually working next to these people who are abusing their powers to say something, it's not going to change. So you have to those good cops that I tell you, like there are a bunch of good like the good cops heavily outweigh the bad cops. But the bad cops are the ones that's getting the media attention. Those are the ones that, you know, all this stuff is happening with. And so the good cops have to step up. If you see, hey, man, that that's not how we do it. You need to say something then and there. Don't let it go on. Don't let it grow. Catch it when it's, you know, it's in its early stage, you know. All right. You know, if you see a cop racially profiling, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, hey, that that guy shouldn't have, you know, that kind of car. You know, hey, hey, why? Let, let's stop and ask some questions. Why? Why do you think he shouldn't have that car? Is it because of the color of his skin? If so, dude, you need to really con- reconsider your career because that's not what we do here. As a police officer, you're there to protect and serve. Did you ever have to check somebody like that? Uh, unfortunately, yeah, it was a uh, it was a guy who came in a little bit after me, and uh, I don't. Uh, I don't think he really meant anything about it. It was one of those things. He he kind of said a, a slick comment. And I at first, I wasn't going to say anything. But later on, we ended up having a conversation. I was like, hey, you know, what you said there was kind of kind of racial. And he was like, oh, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't mean it like that. And, and I can't even remember exactly what he said. I just remember how I felt. And I was just like, so is that what you see? Even when you look at me, I'm your coworker. I work next to you every day. Like we're out there, you know, supposed to be protecting each other, having each other's back. And you said something, you know, that's that I consider racial and you saw nothing wrong with it. So I was like, you know, we had that conversation. I'm like, dude, you know, where is your mindset at? You know, how do you really feel? Is this how you feel about all black people? Is this something that you just heard and you're repeating? Whatever the case may be, we need to cut that out like now. Uh, He was real. Uh, accepting and open to the conversation. And like I said, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I still to this day remember how I felt when he said it. And it was just kind of like a shock. Like, I don't look at, when I was a cop, I didn't look at anybody any differently because of their skin. I looked at the facts. You know, if you stole, you stole. I didn't care if you're black, white, Mexican, red, orange, purple, green. If you stole, you stole, you went to jail. That's how it went. You know, if you didn't do anything wrong, Okay, have a nice day. Sorry for the inconvenience. You know, I tried to be courteous with everybody. I didn't care who you were. And some people, some officers didn't do that. Like I said, it's not the majority. I want people, I really want people to understand that. It is not the majority of officers. It's a very small percentage. But the good officers have to stand up and they have to say something when they first see something in order for change to happen. So what do you think uh, needs to be done so that you can take your biases out of being a police officer? So I think one, we need to do a, a, a lot more training um, in the United States in general. It doesn't take much to be an officer, have a high school diploma, be over the age of 21. You don't have any felonies or, any, you know, anything like that. And pretty much you qualify to be an officer. Of course, you go through some training, but you're literally 
being put over the general population. You're being put in charge of protecting the general population. I feel like that should be up there with the job qualification of a doctor or a lawyer. Like you need to go through some schooling. You need to really understand what you're getting into. And um, yeah, I feel like that's the very first step that needs to be taken. It needs to be some more qualification, needs to be some more um, some more background, like really need to look at who who is being hired as police officers. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I've, I've got this, uh, I've, you know, posed this question to a few people and everyone pretty much keeps saying the same thing, a little bit more training. Um, and then, you you know, you will get quality uh, police officers in there, in there if you, you know, weed out mm-hmm. a, a little bit um, more of the, the people that can, you know, not get not get a felony, graduate high school and 21. So, man, that's crazy. I didn't even realize that that was the basic. Um, that, that is the the basic. I mean, bar. That's the yeah. bar minimum. Like I said, once you get hired, most most agencies will send you to a uh, police academy yeah. where they, they kind of teach you the basics. And that's all it is. They teach you the basics of being a police officer. A lot of what you learn of being a police officer, you learn actually on the job while you're training or while you're working. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's real intense, a lot of information packed into a little bit of time and then you're thrown to the wolves. Yeah. And so I feel like if we could, you know, even extend that time, give, give a little bit more training, you know, so people understand exactly what they're getting into, that'll cut out a lot of this tension that's with the police officers. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. I completely forgot that you are a police officer. So, yeah, yeah, you definitely have a unique perspective, which is what this show is all about. Just dive deep diving into different perspectives um, and just education, man, just educating people, um, letting people see what we go through as a black community. And um, yeah, man, that's just this is this has been a really powerful conversation and I'm taking a lot away from it. Um, before we wrap up here, is there anything else that you wanted to say about the this entire topic before we wrap up? Man, uh, like I said earlier, uh, the majority of police officers are good, are good guys, good yeah. women. They're doing their job. It's a small percentage that we're trying to weed out and. I just want people to realize that both sides, black and white, you yeah. know, it's not, it's not all white. All white officers are not out to get black people. Yeah. You know, if you break the law, you break the law, you have to deal with the consequences just like anyone else. So, um, and then also if you have children, prepare them now while they're young, start thinking about yeah. now, how you're going to have those conversations because before you know it, you know, they're going to be the ones who are having to deal with this. And like I said, you can't always be there holding their hand. So you want to prepare them as much as possible and hope, you know, that the situation changes. But, you know, you need to prepare them for now. JT, I just want to take the time to thank you for being on the show, man. Man, my pleasure. I have enjoyed every last second of it. Yeah. So we're definitely going to have to do a follow up episode to talk about your um, entrepreneurial um yeah. Things that you've had going on for sure. So we will be talking in the future, my brother. 
Good times, man. Yeah, this has been another episode of the Clever Angle Podcast, the Voice in the Silence series. If you enjoy this, go ahead and follow us over on Instagram. We have a Facebook page at the Clever Angle on all social social media handles. I just want to give a shout out to everyone that's been supporting the show, listening, liking the Facebook post, liking the Instagram post. It means a lot, and it goes a long way towards just allowing this show to grow and to be exactly what I wanted it to be. And that's just an education platform where we can sit down and have real conversations with real people and just see different perspectives that you might not have known um, if you didn't tune in. So thank you. You guys have a blessed week and peace. Peace.